For as long as I've been involved in Bitcoin, people have always asked, is it too late? This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Today is a special episode, and it is inspired by something that I saw in an article actually by the comment section of an article. And uh, basically that led me into the, uh, it reminded me that for the entire time I've been involved in Bitcoin, people are always asking, are we early? Are we still early? Are, am I too late? And I think, I, think this, I think the comment section in this article makes it glaringly obvious that the answer to that question is, we are still so early. But before we get into all that, let's take a real quick look at the vital statistics. Today is Sunday, July 9th, 2023, and we are currently at a block height of 797,972. Whoa, that's almost a palindrome. Uh, that's almost a palindrome block. That's almost 797. So we're only, uh, we're only seven blocks away from block 7979. Correction, we're only, yeah, seven blocks away from block 797979. Marty Bent, I hope you're watching. I know you're a major palindrome fan. But I digress. Bitcoin is currently ringing in at a U.S. dollar value of $30,310 per Bitcoin or a rate of 3,299 sats per dollar. And TikTok next block, we are now only 42,028 blocks away from the next halving. As you know, the miner award that miners get, that miners receive for, uh, for finding the next block is cut in half every 210,000 blocks. That halving next occurs at block 840,000, and that's currently estimated to take place on April 20th, 2024. That's a day sooner than it had been uh, for the last one, two, three, four, five weeks. Uh, the estimator I'm looking at was estimating it was going to take place on April 21st. So if it, Elon Musk gets his way, it will happen on that 420 day. Uh, a lot of people are obsessed with that number 420. So uh, if the halving takes place on April 20th, maybe that'll give them some extra special significance. Bitcoin has a current market capitalization of $588.8 billion, up about $1 billion from where it was on our DCA Wednesday episode last week. And for those of you who still value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, it will currently cost you 15.9 ounces of gold to buy just one Bitcoin, just under a full pound of Peter Schiff bucks to purchase just one Bitcoin. And as I keep mentioning, if you are a gold bug and you want to convert some of that or all of it into Bitcoin, that window is closing. Well, that window will never really close. You can always, you know, you can always convert to Bitcoin later, but you get Bitcoin at the price you deserve. And right now that price is 15.9 ounces. And, you know, gold is trending to zero in Bitcoin terms. You know, the price of gold is up a little bit as far as the U.S. dollar value is concerned. But as far as Bitcoin is concerned, it's been trending to zero ever since ever since Bitcoin was created. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, 
One Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,695 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. That's more than a pizza a day. That's one pizza a day for more than four and a half years. A heck of a lot of pizza. And speaking of blockchain, there are currently approximately 51 blocks for the transactions pending in the mempool. That is down significantly from Wednesday when 66 blocks of transactions were clogging up the mempool. Uh, so up until last Wednesday, for the last several months, the uh, the the bloat, the, the uh, transactions building up in the mempool, mostly caused by those ordinals and inscriptions that were uh, glomming on to the Bitcoin blockchain, tying up the Bitcoin uh, mempool, had been trending down. And then last week, for some reason, they spiked up uh, to 66 blocks for the transactions, but that's back down to 51 blocks of the transactions. Of course, it is a Sunday, and on-chain activity tends to be a little bit uh, lighter on weekends than it does during a weekday. So I guess we'll find out on Wednesday when we do our DCA Wednesday episode whether uh, the the mempool bloat is clearing finally, or whether or whether it's trending back up. And speaking of mempool bloat. If you want to do an on-chain transaction, if you want to have a, a transaction included in the very next block, uh, Clark Moody's dashboard is estimating a SAT per VBYTE fee of 12 cents per VBYTE to guarantee that that transaction is included in the next block. Uh, and that is down significantly from last week. So even though uh, even though the mempool bloat seems to be increasing, the uh, you know SATs and ordinals are very small transactions and they pay very, very tiny fees. So miners are still going to prioritize Bitcoin transactions that that earn them more money. Uh, and so as a result, uh, the fee pressure has trended down all the way down to you know 12 cents per VBYTE. That's a lot cheaper than it had been. And perhaps more significantly, if you have some time to wait, Clark's, Clark Moody's dashboard is estimating that a uh, fee of just three sats will be included, three sats per VBYTE will be included within a day or they're saying the same thing for a transaction that can wait for up to a week. And mempool.space is estimating that a high priority transaction should have a five cent per VBYTE, uh, five sat per VBYTE transaction fee. And that has a current US dollar equivalency of about 21 cents. And so 21 cents to make an on-chain transaction is pretty darn cheap. You know, it hasn't quite trended back to the one sat per VBYTE range yet, but three sats per VBYTE for a transaction to clear within a day is, is pretty darn good. So uh, Matt and Marty still have their bet going and uh, it hasn't timed out, and Marty hasn't won with the mempools clearing out yet. But it's trending in Marty's favor. If you follow, you know Matt and Marty on Rabbit Hole Rabbit Hole Recap, they they've made this bet several times. Both times Marty won, and I think this is the triple or nothing third time they've made the bet. Uh, and so I think the bet is that by the end of the year, mempools will clear. And if they don't, uh, then Odell doesn't owe Marty anything. And if they uh, if they do, then Marty gets triple whatever their original bet was, and I forget. Uh, what that amount was. All right, that transaction that you know, the transaction metric that you know I like to follow, Bitcoin's 24-hour on-chain transaction rate has also ticked up. Uh, on DCA Wednesday, we were looking at a rate of 5.59 transactions per second, and we're currently humming along at 6.8 transactions per second, which is pretty impressive for a Sunday because as I mentioned, you know, transaction volume tends to go down a little bit on the weekends. For example, when we did our weekend update episode last Sunday, uh, the transaction rate was averaging 3.4 transactions per second. So 
something's up. I don't know if uh, ordinals, and ordinals and transcriptions are getting popular again, uh, or if there's just uh, more activity on the blockchain in general. But as I've said multiple times, actual Bitcoin on-chain transactions should max out at about four transactions per second. Uh, the only reason we've been able to exceed that is because these ordinals and inscriptions are very small transactions, only taking up the header space of a transaction, basically. So they're able to fit more transactions into a block. Uh, and so that's distorted. That's really distorted this metric. But for the time being, we're going to keep track of it. If ordinals and inscriptions fade away into oblivion, then we'll get back to uh, you know the range of 3.15 to 4 transactions per second, indicating healthy on-chain activity. Uh, or maybe we'll revise this metric. Only time... Only time will tell. We're getting really close to the next mining difficulty adjustment. Uh, that is about 300, it's exactly 364 blocks away. That's looking like it's about two days away that it should happen right before the next DCA Wednesday episode, sometime on Tuesday, July 11th. And that is gonna be a whopper. It's depending where you get your data, it's looking like it's gonna be an increase in difficulty of anywhere from 4.04 to 7.1%. 7.1% would not be the highest difficulty increase we've seen in a long time, but it would certainly be uh, certainly be substantial. And all of that in the middle of summer when, uh, when you know, those mining pools in Texas have been coming offline to help balance the load with their, their uh, balance the grid, their load balancing uh, agreements they have with, uh, with ERCOT. And nonetheless, Blocks are screaming in. They're currently averaging nine minutes and 21 seconds. That's a pretty reliable statistic as close as we are to the next having or the next mining difficulty adjustment. Uh, so with only 364 blocks to go, that's a pretty accurate, pretty, pretty reliable statistic. As you know, Bitcoin mining difficulty is adjusted every 2,016 blocks or theoretically every two weeks to try and keep the average block time uh, 10 minutes between blocks and nine, point, or nine minutes and 21 seconds is really fast that that's certainly screaming before we get into the meat of today's episode i want to thank those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps such as fountain app and breeze wallet they are not a sponsor of the podcast however i do recommend listening on a podcasting 2.0 app especially the fountain fm app because uh, well now you can earn sats for listening to your favorite podcast by listening on fountain but perhaps as importantly or maybe more importantly you can help support your favorite podcast uh, through the value for value model where you can either stream sats to those podcasts on a per minute basis uh, depending on what kind of value you feel like you're being provided or boost that podcast you know boosting is like a one-time tip almost like a smash buy like a smash tip and we do have a boost this boost is once again from leggy leggy boosted us 5,000 sats for our, our last wednesday's dca wednesday episode and i am sorry leggy i cannot find a message attached to this when i saw your boost come in it, it looked like it was blank and that's been the case before, but in the previous time I saw that happen, I just waited a day and then I could see the boost attached to the notes from that episode. I have searched every way I can to try and find the what message you included with that uh, with that boost and I, I can't I can't find it. I it still shows that there's no activity, no boost activity when you look at the episode itself. Uh, however, uh, when I look at our boost wallet, it shows that you boosted our DCA Wednesday episode. So if I find it, I apologize. I will read it on their DCA Wednesday episode. Hit me up on Twitter, DM me Leggy, and let me know what the story is. If if you just boosted the smash boost, just a tip with no message. So I'm, so I'm not going crazy here trying to find the message. Uh, or if there's a message that got lost somewhere, maybe I can find it or at least troubleshoot why that happened. 
Uh, but once again, thank you for the boost, Leggy. Our geographic distribution of listeners is exactly the same as it was last episode. Currently, the top 10 countries are as follows. Number one is the United States of America. Most of you, 53%, are listening from right here in the United States. But at number two is Argentina, where 12% of you are listening. So muchos gracias, amigos, in Argentina. Number three remains Germany, where 7% of you are listening. Danke schön, danke für alles, mein friends in Deutschland. Number four remains Luxembourg, where 4% of you are listening. So again, danke, mein friends in Luxembourg, or Morgan, to those of you who speak Luxembourgish. Number five is Canada. So thank you, friends in Canada. Number six is Spain. So muchas gracias, amigos. Number seven is Venezuela. Muchas gracias, amigos. Number eight is Colombia. Hola, muchas gracias, amigos in Colombia. Number nine remains Sweden. And for the second week in a row, number 10 remains Singapore. And Mexico is still lurking down there just outside of the top 10 at number 11. So really cool that so many of our listeners are listening from Latin American countries. Uh, it's fun to see where everybody's listening from. My expectation would have been, since I'm an American and this podcast is recorded in the United States, that most of my listeners would be in the United States. Uh, and, you know, half of you are. But it's really, really cool and super flattering. Uh, thank you very much to know that so many of you are listening from other places besides here in the United States. So hello to all of you, regardless of where you may be. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. All right. Uh, before we get into why we're here, I just want to point out, I've emphasized over and over the whole magic number theory that 30,000 is kind of a magic number. And it appears that Bitcoin is really stuck at that $30,000 range. Uh, I've I'm reminded of a quote from the movie in the book, The Right Stuff, that I've mentioned several times where they're talking about um, Scott Crossfield just went Mach 2, broke Chuck Yeager's previous record of Mach 1, became becoming the fastest man alive. Uh, and they're talking about how uh, Chuck Yeager will just go back up and set another record. And of course he did. Uh, but the context was they said, yeah, but Mach 2 is the magic number. Like, uh, you know, uh, like a four minute mile, like, you know, batting 500. Uh, I forget the exact quote, but the long and the short of it, he says the public likes a nice round number. And that's just a human psychology thing. And it seems to be playing out in Bitcoin as well. Uh, if that's true, that makes $30,000, not just a resistance level for you TA guys, but a psychological magic number. And that means to me, when we finally do go blasting through $30,000 convincingly, uh, that the price of Bitcoin would probably uh, it will, will probably shoot up to whatever that next magic number is. And I don't know what that next magic number is. I guess we'll find out together because we're getting close to that having less than a year now. And that means we're getting close to that next four-year cycle bull run. So if history rhymes or repeats, uh, we'll be setting new all-time highs in the end of 2024, the beginning of 2025. Uh, but along the way, of course, every Wednesday, we do dollar cost average into Bitcoin. We've been stacking stats every Wednesday in our DCA Wednesday episodes, and we'll continue to do that. All right, on to the subject, on to the meat and potatoes, the heart of the matter. Are we early? This episode was inspired by an article I read in Fox Business on Friday. It was posted Friday, July 7th. The article is entitled, Tom Brady Lost $30 Million After FTX Collapse Report. And a lot of people are... Uh, have been pointing out that apparently the FTX FUD is back in the news. I forget who posted it on Twitter and, and on Noster. Uh, one of you out there posted that um, something along the lines of when Bitcoin's doing well, 
the price is doing well, there's nothing out there going wrong with Bitcoin, time to roll out the FTX FUD again. And they did. And uh, they weren't referring to the Fox Business article, they were referring to the New York Times. But, you know, the media has been coordinating their headlines and their fear-mongering, at least for the last couple of years. That's become blatantly obvious with all the memes that are out there, stringing together all the headlines from every different news station they can come up with across the country where they basically say word for word the exact same thing. And they're kind of doing that again here, bringing up the uh, the FTX FUD. That is not what surprised me about this article, though. What surprised me was the comment section. Reading the comment section, you realize just how early we are. I mean, literally every fiat myth there is is spouted as fact in the comments. Nobody seems to understand what Bitcoin is, and almost everyone thinks that FTX was a scam because of Bitcoin, not because SBF was stealing customer funds, not because FTX was a fraud, that it was a scam, that SBF was taking this money and spending it on real estate and donating to politicians, but because Bitcoin somehow collapsed and that Bitcoin or crypto or whatever was the heart of the scam, not the fact that FTX was just a Ponzi scheme. Well, one of the first comments is from somebody named Shepboy on uh, in the comment section. It says, mistake number one, investing something that doesn't really exist. All it is is complex code. And of course, right under that, somebody, someone said, I agree. Can't feel bad that they lost their monopoly money. Something that doesn't really exist. I can only assume that these people think that the U.S. dollars is still backed by gold. You know, there, there are studies out there that show that the majority of people still think that there's a dollar's worth of gold for every dollar locked in Fort Knox in Kentucky, something that hasn't been true since at least 1971, more than, more than 50 years. You know, the dollar is something that doesn't really exist. Sure, physical dollars exist. They're little pieces of paper, but the paper that a $20 bill is printed on is worth exactly the same as the paper that a $1 bill is printed on or a $1,000 bill or whatever denomination of the bill. It's just a representation of the U.S. dollar. And most people don't use dollar bills. I mean, I can't even think of the last time I opened my wallet, took paper money out and used it to pay for something. You know, people use their debit cards. They use their credit cards. They use Apple Pay. You know, if they're paying with fiat, uh, they use everything but U.S. dollars. Think about how little you actually use paper U.S. money for. And then when you think of the largest transactions, like, you know, if you invest in anything, like if you if you, if you purchase money on Cash App or 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 uh, any any exchange, you didn't take paper dollar bills and give them to Coinbase or Cash App. You made an electronic transfer from your bank account. Just numbers, something that only exists as far as a database in computer code. Exactly what this person's accusing Bitcoin of being. You know, all it is is a complex computer code. Well, first of all, Bitcoin is a very complex computer code, kind of, but this is a feature, not a bug. More importantly, Bitcoin is not just a code. Bitcoin is a network. Bitcoin is a new financial system. You know, Bitcoin is stated in the white paper as a peer-to-peer -peer electronic currency, but Bitcoin itself is, you know, it's a network. It's a protocol. It's, it's, the, it's thousands, tens of thousands of individual computers uh, running this complex code. Uh, it, it's kind of like saying, you know, all you are is billions of brain cells. Well, yeah, your maybe your personality, your thoughts, your uh, everything comes uh, everything comes to life through through billions of brain cells working symbiotically together, kind of like you know a jellyfish is thousands and thousands of individual organisms making up one thing. But that's not the point. You don't say all that really is is thousands of individual organisms. You say that's a jellyfish or that's a school of jellyfish. 
Do jellyfish swim in schools? I can only assume they do because fish is in the name, right? Uh, I digress. Back to the back to the, the subject at hand. For this comment, this two comments to have any merit, first of all, it would have to revolve around Bitcoin being the essence of the scam, that, that Bitcoin was some new scam and that the failure of Bitcoin is what caused Tom Brady to lose their money. This is obviously not true. The reason Tom Brady lost his money is because he gave it to Sam Bankman-Fried and Sam Bankman-Fried stole it. That has nothing to do with Bitcoin or any other so quote-unquote so-called cryptocurrency, any S-coin, any scam coin, any stable coin. The only thing that it has to do is tangentially that FTX build itself as a crypto exchange, as a place where you could buy Bitcoin. But we now know that it, in fact, wasn't really that, that you would transfer your money to FTX and instead of holding the Bitcoin that that uh, you thought you were purchasing, SPF was stealing the money, partying with it, buying beachfront condos, houses with it, and donating billions and millions of dollars to high-powered Democrat politicians uh, to curry favor. Anyway, this completely belies the fundamental lack of understanding of what Bitcoin and electronic currency are, but more importantly, again, it conflates the fact that the scam was Bitcoin itself. Uh, but perhaps as importantly, by saying that Bitcoin is just a complex code, that Bitcoin is just a you know a computer, it's just a it's just it doesn't really exist, and this is something weird, something new. Just uh, I guess it's ignorant of the entire history of of what led us to Bitcoin. You know, Bitcoin wasn't the first attempt at an electronic currency. Uh, David Chom was credited with introducing the idea of electronic cash. A long time ago, I guess he invented the concept of what a blockchain is in his doctoral dissertation at the University of California, Berkeley in 1982. Chom was later credited as the inventor of secure digital cash when he introduced, uh, when he wrote another paper in 1983, which introduced cryptographic blind signature primitives. Uh, he later went on to found DigiCash in 1989. After David Chom's DigiCash, eGold became the first quote-unquote internet money to be widely used. It started in 1996, and it had several million users before it was eventually shut down and squashed in 2008 by the U.S. government. And these weren't the only attempts at an electronic cash. And what made them fail wasn't the fact that they were imaginary, that they were just complex code, that they weren't backed by anything, that they didn't really exist. What made them fail was that they were centralized. For example, with eGold, the U.S. government had someone they could go to and they could say, shut it down. Uh, and that's that's the real breakthrough. Uh, with Bitcoin is the decentralization, uh, you know, the, the the trustlessness nature of Bitcoin that Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, the big breakthrough Satoshi Nakamoto was able to make when he when he invented Bitcoin. But I digress. The next comment on this article is cryptocurrency, AI, electronic voting. Oh, boy. Uh, I added the oh, boy. Social media censorship. We have definitely entered the age of digital manip manipulation. This moron combines a whole lot of unrelated concepts and said, oh, all of this is just computer related. So, you know, that's the problem. It's all just digital. It's digital manipulation. Once again, alluding to the false belief that Bitcoin or crypto were the cause of the collapse or that the manipulation of Bitcoin was the cause of the collapse or the essence of, F you know, the F or the essence of the FTX fraud was that they were they were selling Bitcoin and that was the fraud. Obviously, as we discussed, this was not the case. A complete and total misunderstanding, once again, of the entire the entire situation. This next comment is particularly funny. Sorry, not sorry. If you invest in soap bubble, don't expect miracles. It's just a matter of time. This particularly uh, struck my funny bone because 
you can just read. I mean, this guy had to, he, he probably crafted, he thought about this comment long and hard. He wordsmithed this in a manner that I'm sure he thought made him seem very clever. Combining a couple of widely held misunderstandings into one of those psychological vampire attacks. If you have listened to any of the other episodes, I've mentioned the concept of a psychological vampire multiple times. And that's kind of the psychological vampire is that person who has no sense of self-worth in their life other than showing you how wrong you are. They don't actually contribute anything other than they, they, they go, ha ha, you're an idiot. You know, I'm so smart because I'm not you. You're the idiot. Uh, that's the psychological vampire. And this guy's being a psychological vampire. Uh, you're an idiot. You invested in a soap bubble. Ha ha kind of thing. Once again, they're conflating the FTX scam with Bitcoin or at least the cryptocurrency. But they also use that word bubble. Uh, alluding to the fallacy that Bitcoin is in a bubble, you know, that Bitcoin's a bubble. It's just a speculative bubble and that it's going to pop, that it did pop apparently because FTX collapsed, right? Obviously, Bitcoin didn't pop. Obviously, Bitcoin is not a bubble because the very essence of a bubble is that the bubble inflates, inflates, inflates till it gets just completely outrageously big and then it pops. Uh, and then that's it. It's over. And Bitcoin has had a bunch of big quote unquote pops where it's had its big retracement after its blow off tops but bubbles don't reinflate. Sure, Bitcoin gets overpriced every time we have that four-year hype cycle, and then it corrects. That's just, you know, that's just the market seeking price discovery. That, however, is not what a bubble is. And then the last comment I want to bring up, I think is particularly juicy because it shows a fundamental misunderstanding of Bitcoin, also showing just how early we are. And this idiot writes, somewhat pretentiously as well, I must say, uh, not quite psychological vampire realm, but still close. Quote, I cashed out my small investment in Bitcoin before Biden was elected. Turned out to be a great move. Don't know if I'll ever buy more, but we will see. As for FTX, that was a scam from the very start. So sad that Tommy lost so much. Brackets, sarcasm, close brackets. Okay, he almost gets it close here, recognizing that FTX is a scam, that it didn't really have anything to do with Bitcoin. FTX was a scam. It just so happened that he was pretending to sell you Bitcoin, but Bitcoin, of course, didn't have anything to do with it. And, and at least he recognizes that. But here's the we're so early part. The election of 2020 occurred on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. On that day, Bitcoin was in the range of $14,000, less than half of what Bitcoin is currently valued at. They cashed out their small investment. Turned out to be a great move. I don't know what kind of moron uh, considers missing out on a 2x gain, which probably was more than 2x. Let's say at 14,000, he cashed out and he had bought at seven. So he already doubled his money. He's a financial genius, right? Well, then he would have 4x his money uh, if he'd waited till today. So that would have been the great move, moron. So um, again, it reminds me of, you know, the people that, uh, well, it reminds me of two things. It reminds me of the people that say, man, if only I'd bought Bitcoin when I first heard about it, I'd be I'd be a millionaire now. And everyone likes to point out, no, you you wouldn't be a millionaire. If you bought Bitcoin at a dollar, when it hit $10, you would have cashed out. You would have made 10x. You would have felt like a genius. And you would have posted stupid things like, that turned out to be the greatest decision I've ever made, only to have massive regret when Bitcoin, you know, crashed through $20,000, smashed through $50,000, or even just at the $30,000 where we find ourselves today. Uh, so... Those kind of things really made me stop and reflect and say, we are early. Uh, and so oftentimes, you know, there, there's the Betteridge's law that says any headline that ends in a question can be answered by the, uh, can be answered no. 
Uh, and in this case, if the headline is, are we early? The answer according to Bedger's law would be, be no, but clearly, clearly the answer is yes. And if you believe in Bitcoin, we're extraordinarily early because you probably believe that Bitcoin will become a global reserve currency, even if it doesn't become the global reserve currency, even if it doesn't become a global reserve currency, you'll believe that it will become more mainstream, institutions will invest in it like we see they're trying to do if they can get SEC approval. Uh, but either way, uh, Bitcoin has the potential to more than 100x from where it's at. You know, Bitcoin did 10x just to have as much money invested in it as people holding shiny yellow rocks, which we've seen Bitcoin is clearly outperforming. So if you don't think the potential for 10x or 100x makes you early uh, with only a very small fraction of the world actually using adopting Bitcoin, then I don't know what to tell you because we are early. We are not just early. We are so early. All right. One more thing that I came across. And this is something I had archived. I sent myself a, a mail reminder and I was going through my sent box trying to find uh, something that I had an email I'd sent someone else completely unrelated. And I saw this. It's a post from September 8th, 2002 by a user I, I can't look up anymore. And the, the post itself is archived. Uh, but the user at the time was skillfun9297. And on the Bitcoin, the R Bitcoin subreddit on September 8th, 2022, they posted the title DCA $20 a week into Bitcoin. Is this even worth it? It's all I can do. I feel like it's not enough to make a difference for my future. Well, as luck would have it, that's exactly what we're doing here at the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. We have a DCA Wednesday episode where we DCA precisely $20 a week. And we've been doing it longer than, than since just September 8th of 2022. Uh, real quick, I digress. For those of you that don't know what DCA is, DCA stands for Dollar Cost Averaging. And it's an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. So for example, just like we do, they're equal portion is $20 and their interval is weekly. Uh, a lot of people DCA in a lot of different ways. Most people that DCA tend to do so on their payday. So if you get paid every two weeks, then every two weeks might be your DCA. If you get paid weekly, then weekly it is for you. Some people DCA daily. I've seen people DCA hourly. Do your own research, pick whatever strategy you want. But the fact of the matter is uh, dollar cost averaging is basically spending time in the markets instead of trying to time the markets. And in this case, they're asking, is it worth it to DCA just $20 a week into Bitcoin? Well, let's answer that for them. The, the post is archived, so I can't comment on it. But had they started dollar cost averaging $20 a week, when they wrote this post, they would have stacked 44 times. That 44 times would have been the equivalent of 880 US dollars. And they would have accumulated a stack of just over 4 million Satoshis. And that would currently be worth $1,212.40, uh, significantly more than the $880. And they would have stacked at an average price, an average cost basis of $22,459.56. So user skill fund 9297, would $1,214 be a significant contribution towards your future? And you know, that you wouldn't just be stopping today. Ideally, you just continue to stack until you know there's no more Bitcoin left to buy. So that stack would continue to grow over time. But man, a stack of 4 million sats, that's a pretty significant chunk of change. So let's look at where we're at because we've been DCAing longer. We started almost two years ago now. We started all the way back on Wednesday, July 28, 2021. That's 102 weeks. 
or 102 times that we've stacked sats. And we've only done $20 a week, just like this person on Reddit was inquiring about. And in less than two years, that has stacked us, accumulated a stack of 7,015,282 Satoshis. And that's currently worth $2,126.33. And our average purchase price now is $28,794.28. So obviously we're in the green. We invested a total of $2,040 and more than 40 of that was uh, fees. We spent about $45 in fees uh, to make that investment, but not even including the fees, uh, we have made uh, almost $100 more and, and, the, and the next bull run hasn't even really started yet. Uh, by contrast, if you had YOLO'd in on July 28th, then that one-time purchase gone all in, uh, the price was $39,716 on that day, and that would have purchased you a stack of 5,136,468 sats, this, just assuming you didn't pay any fees. So if you paid no fees whatsoever, stacked 100% of that $2,040 into Bitcoin, uh, you'd have that stack of 5.1 million sats. Uh, and that is 1,878,814 sats fewer than we have by DCAing weekly. Uh, and of course, uh, user skill fund, if Bitcoin hits 1 million, our stack would be worth $70,152.80. Uh, even if Bitcoin only goes up to 100,000, which is more than a reasonable assumption for the next bull run, uh, Bitcoin would be worth 7,000. Our stack would be worth $7,015.28. And both of that is assuming that we just stop DCAing, that we don't DCA ever again. Of course, we're going to continue to stack all the way up. So uh, it's logical to assume we'll have significantly more than 7 million sats, uh, which will be significantly more important to our future. So again, hey, uh, user skill fund 9297, this is not investment advice. I'm just showing you that uh, we have been doing exactly what you were inquiring about, and it's worked out really well. And hopefully you did. Hopefully you weren't discouraged because from the tone of your post, it sounded like you were uh, not sure that you were feeling bad about it. I hope you did, and I hope you're feeling vindicated now because it would have been worth it. And even if that's all you can do, that was better than nothing. And yes, I am, I'm sure, we're all sure that, that it will make a significant difference in your future. If for no other reason, when we're on a Bitcoin standard, you'll have Bitcoin to use. You know, don't be one of those people that when we, when we end up on a Bitcoin standard, they don't have any. And now you've got to convince somebody else to sell you your sats just so you can be, you know, involved uh, just so you can be involved in the financial system, so you can purchase a cup of coffee uh, or do, you know, whatever, uh, not just invest in Bitcoin, but use it on a day-to-day -day basis. All right, well, that in a nutshell is why I wanted to do this episode, that silly article in uh, in Fox Business and the question, the questions that they, the, that it arose by reading the comment section that, that it just, it, it couldn't help but make me feel like, yes, we are early. Yes, we are so early. Uh, but, you know, we won't be early forever. Uh, I firmly believe that we're going to continue to be early for quite some time, but you get the price, you get Bitcoin at the price you deserve. And, uh, you know, that's getting more expensive as Bitcoin goes up forever, Laura, forever, as Michael Saylor is so fond to say. So don't be left out. Follow us every Wednesday starting, at, well, uh, not starting, but continuing next Wednesday. Uh, that's going to be July 12th, where we grow that stack together. And uh, until that time, Thank you for listening and keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers.